All right. Great. Thank you. All right. If you want to follow along on your bulletins, we have some great announcements this morning, and then a couple that aren't on there, so you still have to pay attention. First of all, welcome to any new faces out there. Really glad to have you. This is Malibu the Gathering, and we're just... Really happy really to happy see you. To see you. Um, um, the first announcement that you'll find on your bulletin is that there's a there's marriage, marriage study, study tonight. tonight. That's, That's for anyone who is married or engaged. Or engaged. Um, and, and we're going, going through, through Tim, Tim Keller's The Meaning of Marriage. Marriage. Um, chapter... Four is what we're going, what we're going through tonight, tonight. And that's going to be gonna at, be the, at Stokers. the Stokers. Um, oh, and the address is on there. 3712 Principio Drive in Malibu. Um, so if you're married or engaged, we'd love to see you there. It's just going to be a good time of uh, talking through the lessons in that book and just uh, learning about marriage. If you're coming, make sure to let Dermot know just so we can have approximate head count for food and chairs and things like that. Um, also... Something to put on your calendar is that the parenting study is coming back in March. Um, and, and that you don't have to actually be a parent um, to be a part of that. That's just for anyone who wants to get to know a little bit more about parenting, what that means, um, what the biblical perspective is on that. Um, so we'll let you know soon, but that'll be Sundays coming in March. Also, um, home groups, we're going to take another week off this week. So home groups are on Wednesday, um, Wednesday nights, but this week we're not going to do it again, so don't worry about it. Also, another announcement is, um, Beak, is it is around here? Right up the street, there is a woman. Oh. Thanks, Beak. <laughs> um, this is an opportunity for a single woman um, there's a woman on the street who has MS and needs um, someone to live with her. And so in exchange for rent, um, they would really just need like an hour of work a day and, and maybe just being there in case there's an emergency. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's a pretty cool opportunity. And so talk to Brian if that's something you'd be interested in, um, living in a place for free in exchange for um, just taking care of someone who needs a little bit extra help um, once in a while. Um, all right, that's all we got. So if you would uh, join me on the back of the bulletin or in your Bible, First uh, Peter chapter 5 and Titus chapter 1. First Peter 5 first. Verses 1 through 5. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, 
the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may also be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you this morning. We thank you uh, for your spirit. We, we invite your spirit into this place. Ask that you would come down and fill each one of us. Uh, please enter into our hearts. Uh, make us humble. Make us open to your word. Help us to be more like you and less like our sinful nature. I pray that as, as Brian teaches about leadership and what that is in the church, that you would just uh, bless this church, uh, bless the leadership, Jesus especially, and uh, pray that, of course, you would be our leader, that you would guide us, and that you would just take us uh, where you have for your kingdom. Jesus, we pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me in the back? Am I on? A little bit? There it goes. All right. If you are a first-time guest this morning, I want to say good morning and welcome. My name is Brian, and um, this morning we are going to do um, a study on church leadership and what that looks like and what it means for the future of our church. Um, it's really significant, I don't know, I wasn't say beautiful how God works, but let me start and, uh, and my, my timing might be a little bit off, but let me start, I believe, in 1998. Karen and I were dating. We're now married with three kids. In 1998, um, we were living in Washington State, and I wanted to come down to Southern California and go to seminary and do um, a, a graduate program in theological studies. She was offered a job in Pacific Palisades, and... Early on, <clears throat> maybe one of the, the first times um, that I came down to the Palisades where she was, um, we met uh, Brian and Karen Renner, and I don't know how long it was. I know it was probably just a matter of days um, before they invited us over for dinner. And so <clears throat> if you want to trace the uh, the... the the roots of our church. It really started with um, one couple inviting uh, a dating couple over to their house. I'm 43 years old now, and you can just see God's faithfulness in our lives. And it's, it is very significant. And if you are um, if you're new, then maybe you might not know this, but um, Brian and Karen Renner, I well. I was going to say, raise your hand if, if you've eaten dinner at the Renner's house, okay? <laughs> Probably most of our church. If you've lived there, yes. I have not ever lived there. Some of you have. Um, but it is important for just this idea that the birth of a church begins with someone giving. Someone has to give. 
And it, it could be as simple as sharing a meal. And uh, in, the, in our lives, that was it. And they, um, they invested in Karen and I as we were dating and engaged and uh, now almost married 15 years. And so I do now um, consider this to be my home. Um, we're raising our family here. We've been here for a while, and um, it is uh, an honor and a, a deep and serious responsibility that I feel as far as leadership uh, in the church. And so um, that's kind of the starting point of how things began to change in my life and uh, in, in their time here in Malibu. The idea of leadership is directly connected to the, uh, the concept of authority. And I know that one of the hardest things, one of the hardest things in my life really is, and God is still growing me in this area, is submitting to authority that I don't like, or I don't think is right or good or appropriate. I've always had within me a little spirit of rebellion against authority. And so the idea now as a teacher, I have authority in my classroom, and in churches, there is this really interesting concept of authority. And what happens is it, is it often gets abused and, and misused. And we've all been a part of that. I've been a part of that. I can tell one real, there's so many fun stories. Listen, if you're a part of a church, churches are like, they are more nutty than, you can't make this stuff up sometimes, how crazy people are. I was serious, I was called out one time, I was at a church, I was called out in front of, in front of everybody for this guy who was just getting nutty, getting super crazy, and I wasn't going to have any part of it, and he called me out in front of the whole church, like, why are you resisting the Spirit? And, I, and, and I, I was probably 18 or 19. And I'm like, I just don't know what you're talking about. I just think you're a little bit crazy. And um, so I, I approached this topic of leadership and authority with sobriety and, and hopefully thoughtfulness. <clears throat> but I, I want to I begin with this, is that when, when there is the right kind of leadership, when you have the right kind of leadership in your life, it is tremendously positive and life-changing. And I want to begin with a completely unrelated, completely unrelated to church. And I want to start with just briefly when I was a kid. My mom, my mom moved uh, my sister and I up to Port Townsend, Washington in 1979. Uh, my dad had passed away a few years earlier, and my mom felt like she needed to get out of Southern California. And so uh, we moved up there, and immediately I fell in love with the outdoors and uh, fishing and just the woods and playing in the forest and just all kinds of neat things that the Northwest offers. Our neighbors, right across the street from us, uh, an elderly couple, well, they weren't when I first met them, I should... They were older. They were, he was a World War II vet in his 50s or 60s, and he was uh, an outdoorsman. And he would fish and hunt. He had a dog. He had all the things that I loved. And he really functioned 
as a leader in my life. And it was right. It was healthy. It was very positive. And because of um, how he lived his life, he had uh, a voice in my life. He had a voice of authority in my life. And some of it was actually very serious as far as even dealing with things like guns and hunting. You have to understand, and I know this may be a sensitive issue for some people, and I don't mean it to be offensive in any way, but it's a part of people's lives um, where I grew up. And so even the idea of like teaching me as a boy how you handle a gun and how serious that was and how he was the authority and you do this exactly the way I'm telling you. And I was like, yes, sir. Because I understood um, the seriousness of it and the credibility that he had. And so church leadership, it really, it's foundational on credibility. Like, Leaders, we must live our lives with consistency, with maturity. And when that happens, the natural human response is that leaders will have a voice in the lives of people. And so um, this morning, we're going to look at First um, Peter and help us think about the kind of leaders that you all deserve. You all deserve um, biblically-based, credible leaders in the church. And it really is essential to the health of our church. Nobody really knows when our church started. We have like this internal debate. <laughs> Since I'm the one up front right now, I get to pick. No, I'm just kidding. I will say this, though. I think... We started meeting on the property, this property, about four, four and a half years ago, coming up on five years this summer. And, um, and what we have decided to do is we have intentionally decided that we would allow time to happen and we would recognize um, the men who have taken responsibility for the direction of our church. And so this morning, um, we're gonna, I'm going to talk to you for a little bit about the kind of leaders you deserve. And then next week, we're, it's, it's not going to be some big, huge, formal thing. It's just going to be simply we're going to recognize and pray for the leaders and their wives. And with a simple seriousness, we will do that. And so um, what we've said, and we met, I guess it was a couple weeks ago, with the five or six families that were part of the church. And so um, kind of the men who have taken responsibility over the last four years of specific areas have been Brian Renner, um, Lockwood Holmes, Tony Mark, and myself. And so next week, um, uh, we're going to just pray for those men and their wives. I do want to also mention very um, clearly also that um, Scott Mulder and Mike Gardner were um, regularly a part of things. And really, um, you know, the main reason is that, that Scott is not a part of that group right now is because of his work schedule. And even this morning, he's flying right now. And so because of his uh, job as a pilot, his, his schedule changes a lot. And with Mike and Heather having a second baby on the way, um, decided that it's not the best time for that. So um, that's where we're at with that. 
let's turn to First uh, Peter for just a moment and look at the kind of leaders that a church deserves. Number one, I think this is on the handout. Number one, churches deserve men whose character has been shaped by the gospel, that we have credibility, that how we live our lives actually matters. Let me, let me share something before I get into this really quickly. That when you look at the Bible and what it says about church leadership and like the qualifications and what is needed to be a leader, it is the same for everybody. This is really important. We won't turn there this morning, but in places like 1 Timothy or Titus where it talks about these qualifications, it says things like this. Um, church leaders should not be drunks. They shouldn't be violent. They shouldn't be greedy. Okay, So that doesn't mean that the rest of you can get drunk and start fights and have lots and steal money because you're greedy. Okay, So all those things are true for everybody. The simple difference for leadership in the church is that the leaders are to be an example, to be a model to follow. And that's the, the distinguishing difference, that you should pick people who are not new in the faith, but have, people have been walking with Jesus for some time, are willing to take responsibility. The other thing before I, I want to go through the outline a little bit is that one of the things that I observe as I get older is the unique challenge for men specifically to take responsibility for their families, for their children, for their church, for their community. I do sense, and I'm, I do sense that women tend to do a better job on that. And I want to encourage men, and I'm not being negative or bashing men at all. I just want to encourage men to take responsibility for their families, um, for their church, um, really for their kids. You know, as a teacher, as someone who I work in a private school also, occasionally you have the idea that they're going to the school, to private school, you need to do a job and take responsibility for them. Well, yes, of course, but ultimately... Responsibility lies with you, mom and dad. And so we want to be a church where we are encouraging and equipping men to take responsibility and then not run from it, which is unfortunately sometimes the case. So we want to be a community of people, a family of people who are willing to take responsibility for the health and growth of our church. If you have your Bibles, let's turn. Let me explain this, and then um, we'll just go through this quickly. All right, so 1 Peter chapter 4 says this before we look at chapter 5. This is talking to everybody. Everybody. Above all, keep one another earnestly. Keep love, excuse me. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. This is what we're all supposed to do. This is the responsibility we all have to love one another. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's steward of God's very grace. Everybody has a responsibility to love each other, to use the gifts that God has given you to serve one another. That's what all believers are called to do. 
Leaders are to be an example of that. Okay? One of my favorite verses in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, God uses the foolish things of the world. Right? So, the other day, uh, Brian Renner and I were laughing a little bit about us being in leadership in the church. And we can probably say, half joking, you know what? God uses the foolish things of the world. He uses flawed people, right? Just look. No, I'll say this. Look at your own life. You might be deeply flawed. You, uh, you probably are. You're pretty messed up. But you know what? God wants to use you. God wants to use you. God wants to use the leaders of the church to move forward. God wants to use you. Doesn't matter how doesn't matter the mistakes of your past. That is not an excuse for people to not take responsibility for today and for tomorrow. Peter is very clear on this. All right, so just let's go back just briefly to the type of leaders our church deserves. Number one, a gospel-shaped character. Church leaders, number one, they love Jesus. They delight in His grace. And they lead their families well, daily walking in faith and repentance as an example for others to follow. That was a long sentence. I'm going to say it one more time. This is partially from a guy named Tim Chester, um, a guy who does church planting stuff that I've modified slightly. Number one, church leaders love Jesus. Here's how churches make mistakes. We make a mistake by putting the richest guy, the best looking guy, the whitest teeth, best hand, the rock star guy in leadership. You don't put that guy in leadership because of his salary or because of his title or because of how handsome he is. You put people in leadership who, number one, love Jesus, who have been born again, who are being led by His Spirit. There is a temptation to put gifted people Let me back up and say this. There is a temptation to put unregenerate people who are not truly followers of Jesus but are highly gifted standing in front of people and are talented in communication styles or personality styles and can draw a crowd to put those people in leadership. Number one, you must be in love with Jesus. That is what you deserve. You deserve church leaders who, des- who delight in His grace. That means that you don't function out of your own strength and gifts and talents, but you know that everything you have in life is from God, is from Him giving His Son, Jesus. It starts with that. We lead our families well. That means that if you come into our homes, you know that things aren't perfect. You know that the house gets dirty just like your house and our kids aren't obedient all the time just like your kids, but that the general pattern of our lives is that things are in order and that we're working diligently to love and serve our wives, to honor them, to value them, to highly esteem them, to love our children, to train them, to teach them when they make mistakes and not yell at them, but correct them the right way. 
It begins with a personal love for Jesus. Here's something that's really interesting. Um, In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 72. And they do all these crazy, super miraculous things. Super powerful kinds of things, okay? The kind of things that we would make... um, if, if you were a believer today and doing these kinds of things, you would be on the cover of Christianity Today. You would be like the new Christian rock star. You would be it. And Jesus says something really significant to them. <clears throat> In fact, they say things like this. This is Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. That means they were involved in like this super intense spiritual warfare kind of stuff. And they were overcoming. They were doing powerful things. You know what Jesus says? Don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your name is written down in heaven. The simple truth is this. You deserve church leaders who are first and foremost in love with Jesus, not trying to be a Christian superstar or rock star. You deserve men who love their wives, who love their children, who have the priorities right. Men who are daily walking in faith and repentance. That means that as we live our lives, that we're moving forward in faith, trusting in the power of Jesus. And repentance means we make mistakes. Repentance means that we're willing to be corrected And understand that all of us are flawed people, but we're willing to repent. So number one, you deserve leaders that their lives are being shaped by the gospel. Number two, and I'll be a little bit more quick through this, you deserve leaders who are biblically balanced because what we believe truly matters. Church leaders understand the gospel and can teach the Bible in a way that is understandable, relevant, and affects people's hearts. The primary word, um, or the primary analogy that we see in the Bible of a leader is the word shepherd. Um, It's used from the Old Testament and into the New Testament that that is the description of what a leader is to be. And leaders understand the Bible and can communicate it in a way that's relevant to people's lives. That means that they're taking responsibility for your lives, that they want to invest spiritually in the lives of people. Really interesting passage in Ezekiel. And I'm just going to read it. If you have your Bible, you're welcome to turn. Ezekiel chapter 34 says this. This is a, uh, just a truly significant passage for church leadership. Ezekiel chapter 34 Uh, beginning in the second part of verse 2, says this, Thus says the Lord of God, All the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. 
They wandered all over the mountains and on every hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to seek or search for them. It's a a graphic picture of a self-centered, immature leader who does not understand how to handle and teach God's word. The primary responsibility of the shepherd is to teach clearly in a relevant way that changes people's lives, the truth of God's word. The idea of a shepherd is the idea of a watchman who is diligent and vigilant and keeping watch over the lives of people. The truth is, is that we all wander. We all wander away from Jesus at times. And the role of the shepherd is to go out and retrieve and call back and nurture and love and care for. I'll never forget, um, uh, I'm not sure how old I was, 14 or 15, and um, my, my older sister didn't come home one night. And my mom woke me up really early in the morning she was 16 or 17, and she didn't come home when she was supposed to. Um, the instincts of a mother are to go. No one had to tell my mom, hey, you need to get up right now and go find your daughter. There was a motherly love that would do anything and everything to find out, make sure that my sister, her daughter, was okay. That is what a church leader is to be like, that we care for people, that you love people, that you're willing to interrupt your schedule to go and help people. That's what, that is what you deserve. That is what is required of leaders, is that we love people, that you're willing to go and find them when they've gone astray. Going on in chapter 34 in Ezekiel says this, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search out my sheep, and I will seek them. As the shepherd seeks out his flock, when he is among the sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on the day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples, and I will gather them from the countries, and I will bring them to their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. The idea here is the picture of the shepherd caring and loving the sheep. It's interesting, <clears throat> in, uh, in going back to, to 1 Peter, <clears throat> that in that passage, Jesus is described as the chief shepherd. It is important to note, to be clear here scripturally, that while the picture of a church leader is that of a shepherd caring for people. All of the church leaders are sheep too. There's only one true shepherd, and that is Jesus Christ. Peter very clearly says in the passage here that Jesus is the chief shepherd, and Jesus even refers to himself as the good shepherd. But the metaphor, the analogy is there because it's a picture of, of the responsibilities of a church leader to feed, to protect, to equip people. Here's why. 
Let's return back to 1 Peter for just a moment. The primary example, Peter says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Not under compulsion, but willing, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This directly connects to the first one, that ultimately, leaders must first and foremost be in love with Jesus. The last responsibility I want to talk about as far as a shepherd, and this is, this is just really significant. When Jesus repeats something over and over and over again, and Paul repeats it and Peter repeats it, we better pay attention. And that is the word watch. Jesus says, and this is just a few, Mark 13, 5, watch out that no one deceives you. Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray that you may not enter in temptation. Why? Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Over and over and over again, Jesus warns the disciples to watch. That means be alert. And if you remember in the garden, when Jesus tells the disciples to watch and pray, they fall asleep. And Jesus corrects them and says, you can't even last one hour. And we fall asleep. The point is this is that all of us are to be spiritually alert and in tune. Church leaders are to be an example, a model of alertness, of of spiritual reality. That is one of the things, and I, as you study these things, there is a, a seriousness to it that is legitimate because people's lives are at stake. Um, Peter says this in uh, in First Peter. Uh, I'm losing it where I was going to say. Let me just read it again. Shepherd the flock that is among you, not uh, exercising oversight, not dominating over those in charge, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will um, receive the unfailing crown of glory. The idea is that there is a tendency for all of us to let down our guard, to go cruise control, and not understand the seriousness that Peter is talking about. I can tell you this, though, about all of the men that I mentioned in our, in our church. We are all really good about having fun. right? In fact, Tony's not here this morning because he's doing something. This is what you want your leaders to do. He's up in the mountains playing with his son. That's what you want. Last Sunday, Renner wasn't here. He was in Baja playing with his son. Those are really healthy things. But the other part of life also is that there is an attitude of seriousness, of spiritual truth, of spiritual reality. Let's move on. The other type of the other part of leader that you deserve for the church is that we are intentional about the direction and the future of our church. Church leaders are energetically committed to the vision and loving 
committed to the vision of loving and sharing the gospel with our Malibu community. That we are here as a community of believers, not for ourselves, but to share the love of Christ with people in our community. That we cannot lose sight of that, that we cannot become inward focused, that we just become our own little Malibu fun club and ignore other people. It is crucial for the life and direction and future of our church that church leaders are committed to the vision of Christ, of loving the people in our community, that this is our home. I think, uh, I know that, I know you know most of the men that I've mentioned. Tony's born and raised here, Renner has spent most of his life here, and uh, Lockwood and I are the, the new people. But the longer I've been here, the longer I do have a sense that this is my home and this is a place where I want to raise my family. And I've developed a love for people. And what happens, here's what happens. Somewhere along, I don't know when this happened in my life, but I used to come to Malibu like everybody else to come here to surf and play and have fun and then leave. That this was a place where I could come and just take. I could take part of all the great things. And we see this. Listen, if, you just, if you're here throughout the summer... You can see it's like maybe the most visible example of what I'm talking about is you go to the beach, people that don't live here, it's full of trash everywhere because they can leave their trash and go home, back to their home somewhere else. And what we want to say is no, as a church community, as a followers of Christ, no, this is our home. And so we love this place. We don't want to take from it. We want to give to people. It's crucial for the life and health of our church. We're not here to gain attention to ourselves, to gain a following. We're not here to try to recruit people and have them join our tribe. We're here to love people. And that's only accomplished through community, through developing friendships, through doing fun things together as we all enjoy doing. The last thing, and I'm going through this quickly, but that's okay for this morning. The last thing is that you all deserve a church of humble leaders. Peter says this at the end, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Church leaders take responsibility for the life and health of the church by serving with humility. That's what we do. That's who we are. And the best example of that really is, and we won't turn in this morning, but is John chapter 13, when Jesus washes his disciples' feet. It is never, it is never the place of a church leader to be domineering, to be proud, to be self-serving. You can never find that picture of Jesus. The word clothe is the idea of putting on a garment. And it directly connects with Peter. Because if you remember the response of Peter, he's like, no. No, you're not going to wash my feet, Lord. He doesn't understand. And it's the idea of Jesus literally putting on an apron type of cloth and getting down, excuse me, on his hands and knees, taking off the sandals of his disciples and washing their feet. The duty of a slave, the duty of a servant, the lowest level in society. 
That is what the Son of God did. That is what you deserve from your leaders. That they're willing to get down, to put themselves low, to serve and lift you up closer to Jesus. It's really interesting when you look at the life of Peter, the one who was the the rebel rouser, the troublemaker of all the disciples, the one who was challenging and denying Jesus and crying and laughing from one moment to the next, that he writes this book to an area. First Peter is written to churches, probably dozens or hundreds of churches throughout the Mediterranean area. And he says this to them about the leaders, that we are to live and serve with humility. That will change. That attitude will change everything within a church. You deserve, whether you're here living in Malibu this morning or just traveling by whatever church you end up at if you go back home, according to God's Word, this is the type of leader you deserve. People whose lives are shaped first and foremost by the Gospel, people who are biblically balanced that understand God's Word and can teach it in a way that is relevant and changes people's lives. Leaders that understand the vision of how we move forward, but also leaders who are servants, who live their lives with humility, that model what Christ did of washing disciples' feet. That is a a challenge and an opportunity that will scare most people away and come up with all kinds of excuses to not be involved in leadership or take responsibility for a church. But what you're missing is you have to understand it's not by our might, not by our giftedness, but it's by the power of Jesus. It's by the power of His Spirit that we all have the responsibility to keep our eyes on Jesus. It's a tremendous opportunity, and it's a tremendous time for the life of our church and the stage of our church, going from church plant to leaving that stage of being a brand new baby church to recognizing who will lead the church, who will move us forward, who will take responsibility as people who want to be an example for others to take responsibility for the life and health of our church. I do want to, <clears throat> I want to just conclude with this, is that there is a long list of people, and I think uh, I'll talk more about this next Sunday, but there is a long list of people and I mention this once in a while, that do things that make our church exist. And so um, it is never about visible recognition. It's not about who's the person up in front. And I can, I can let me let you into a little the, the backroom secret of the church leaders. Nobody, not once in the life of our church, has anyone tried to position themselves to be the one up front, ever? There is already an existing genuine humility in the leaders. 
that do want to take responsibility, that do want to serve, but no one is positioning themselves for power or attention. And that is a, a sign of life. <clears throat> Last year, um, <clears throat> the group of us went up to Mammoth for our, our leader getaway. And we did. We spent a lot of time praying for our own marriages, our families, for our church, for our community. But we also have a lot of fun together. And the range of things we do is too long to discuss right now. But <clears throat> I can tell you that the friendships there are strong and healthy and stable and moving forward. And it makes me um, feel very hopeful and positive about the future of our church. So if at any point, if you have any questions about leadership or anything about the church, um, you can talk to me or Brian Renner or Lockwood. Not Shane. No, you can if you want to. <laughs> or Tony. And I just last thing I'm going to say that I'm done. Tony has been responsible um, for the worship aspect and leading that in our church. Um, Lockwood has been doing um, teaching up front, leading worship, and overseeing the church finances. Renner, Brian Renner has done teaching and prayer ministry and led home groups um, and done just a little bit about of everything. And so I, I do encourage you to get to know these men, their wives, their families, their children, and um, it will be a positive experience for you. So I'm going to pray and we'll worship and uh, we'll go do something fun for the rest of the day. Father, we love you. And I pray that you would press deep into our hearts this morning, that we would be a church that loves your son Jesus. That we, would, that we would listen, that we would not talk all the time, but we would open up your word and allow your spirit to press things into our heart and into our lives. We say we love you. We move forward only in the strength of your spirit pointing us to Jesus. Pray that we would be a community of people who take responsibility for the life and health of our church because it is the bride of Christ. We are the vis visible representation of your son Jesus. We confess we need your help. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Shame, will you turn the monitor on?